Can the return of summer travel revive the aviation sector's fortunes? It will be a challenge with COVID-19 hotspots such as in India and mix and match travel policies from country to country. You're listening to the Business Extra podcast coming from the National in Abu Dhabi. I'm Mustafa Al-Rawi, Assistant Editor-in-Chief. Please do subscribe to this show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your audio content. With me is co-host Kelsey Warner, the National's Future Editor. Hi, Kelsey. Hey, Mustafa. We're talking about travel and aviation. Yes, I think a kind of questions looming for the privileged in the world's minds these days is, will summer travel, uh, you know, is it on the books? Is it a possibility? I mean, if you're talking about it, you're lucky to do so. I know that there are parts of the world that are still being ravaged by the COVID-19 pandemic. But um, today, it's a huge business story, aviation in their path to recovery. I think a lot of hopes being pinned to the summer season. Yes. And uh, we'll bring in Dina Kamil, the Nationals aviation correspondent, to discuss this with us. Hi, Dina. Hi, Mustafa. It's good to be here. It's good to have you. Um, It, it feels like there's a bit of a flurry on the aviation front. Um, you know, anecdotally, you're seeing travel offers, you know, given that it's May and soon the summer travel period begins, um, a lot of questioning and understanding of what various policies are from country to country, not all the same. Um, it's not even clear if you'll need to be vaccinated to travel or what vaccinations there are. There's still a lot of questions. And as Kelsey was mentioning, of course, we have the unfolding crisis in India, which is of an immense scale and very tragic, where you have... Um, a huge country, a huge population, essentially massive parts of it. For example, Tamil Nadu, population well over 60 million, uh, bigger than the size of Britain, locked down, no traveling. So you, you see how uh, in that environment, in this kind of uh, chaos, I guess, is the only way to describe it, really, organized chaos almost, um, at least they're trying to organize the chaos of it for travel. Um, it, it feels difficult to judge What's going to happen this summer? Uh, can aviation's fortunes be be revived, Dina? Big question. Yeah, absolutely. As as you said, Mustafa, it is um, a pretty patchy and uneven uh, scenario in different parts of the world, where in some places you have countries that have gotten the virus well under control relatively and reasonably, and they have reopened their borders and are welcoming international travelers. Other countries uh, as you pointed out, uh, in India, the situation is very difficult and that's been shut down. In, in countries like the UK, they've been very selective with their sort of traffic light system of which uh, countries, travelers from which countries they've let in. So the recovery is patchy and, and uneven in different parts of the world, depending, of course, on which key markets have reopened their borders. Uh, for now, airlines are um, doing their best to try to drum up as much demand and as much forward bookings for the summer as possible. That is the peak season for them where they make most of their profits and they are trying to revive bookings during these months. A lot of them are really putting out some, some very uh, tempting and attractive offers out there, whether by slashing fares, whether by offering uh, free PCR testing, whether having different promotions um, for hotels and uh, so on during the summer to try and attract people. That all, there is a lot of pent-up demand. It is not an issue of whether people want to travel or not. It is an issue of whether they can. Um, and from our conversations with airlines, a lot of them are very 
bullish on summer demand in in the months ahead. Dina, can you give us a sense right now, okay, heading into the Eid holiday week, are airports largely still deserted? Like, what's the what's the pulse and what's timing? When will you be looking as a aviation correspondent for the arc of a return? Are we starting to see a return? Are we like where are we at? There are um, early signs uh, here and there of um, tentative recovery. Nothing, of course, to uh, pre-pandemic levels. That is only going to be uh, years ahead from now. We're talking about 2023, 2024 at least. Uh, but there are tentative signs of demand coming back in, in small pockets. So, uh, for example, we are seeing uh, Emirates uh, airlines have said that their forward bookings for uh, July and August uh, are looking pretty strong. Thanks, of course, to the desire by travelers to visit their families, friends, relatives. Um, and in anticipation of, of that demand, Emirates has said that it is uh, considering adding um, up to 40 uh, Airbus A380s, their, the, their largest passenger aircraft, um, adding more of those in, in the summer, depending on demand. They are retrofitting some of those A380s, as you know, with premium economy cabins in anticipation that that's where demand will really shift, that um, well-to-do leisure travelers are going to want to spend a little bit more money, a little bit more space on board their aircraft. But that really speaks to sort of just shifting trends. So you spoke a bit to just sheer numbers, but in terms of just behavior change, are you seeing any trends taking shape? The immunity passports I know that we've talked about in the past, uh, premium economy is certainly something you just highlighted, the rise of the leisure the moneyed leisure traveler is interesting. What are some things that aviation is doing to respond? Um, definitely, for example, Emirates is, uh, as we've talked about, uh, pushing to upscale its economy class to, to premium economy. They're anticipating that shift in demand once the industry emerges from the um, coronavirus crisis. Those are cheaper than, obviously, than the business class, but just to give you a little bit more uh, room and space than, than economy. Um, a lot of uh, airlines, especially Etihad Airways, they've been very vocal about the uh, importance of wellness programs. Uh, so they um, have said that Etihad uh, Airways uh, CEO Tony Douglas has, has said that digital health passports are going to be a rite of passage for the industry, that these are essential uh, to get the industry uh, recovery up and running again as smoothly and as easily as possible. Um, the International Air Transport Association, IATA, has really pushed uh, for these digital health passes. Essentially, it allows travelers to show proof that they've been tested for COVID, they've been vaccinated. Uh, it allows you to do that digitally so they're in order to avoid these huge lineups at the airport. That's a, a nightmare scenario for airlines and airports. So these are really some of the key things that the industry is looking at to restart travel, all of it being uh, sort of touchless, uh, seamless uh, experience coming with a lot of investment in uh, digital technology and also a lot of thinking about how to build back better from the pandemic in terms of greener and more sustainable ways of traveling uh, and of um, being a more conscious tourist. Dina, I, I was reading one of your pieces uh, at the nationalnews.com about uh, the competing trends 
on international travel versus domestic travel. It's almost it's two scenarios playing out. Domestic travel looks quite robust, relatively speaking, but international travel remains a little bit uh, soft in comparison. Is that likely to play out now uh, over the next few months? Correct. That is the scenario at the moment. We are seeing that domestic markets in different countries around the world are recovering much faster than international uh, travel. That's lagging far behind. You've got large domestic markets in um, in China. That's leading the way in domestic travel recovery in uh, in Russia, in um, in the U.S., in Australia, where people are more comfortable uh, traveling within their own countries in in order to avoid any unpleasant surprises with you know border closures. Um, unfortunately, uh, international travel is still lagging behind. Uh, but um, IATA's you know economists, these are people who spend a lot of time studying data and trends, they are optimistic that given the recovery in domestic travel, given the faster rate of uh, vaccination um, uh, drives around the world, that international travel will catch up. And they're optimistic that this could happen in the second half of this year. Um, so we're we're waiting to see how how that pans out as uh, various pockets around the world uh, start to open up their borders as well. I'm wondering if you can dig in a bit to business versus tourism travel, and if there are predictions taking shape over are we going to be really attending Zoom conferences for the rest of our lives, or are we going to make a return to some level of business <laughs> travel? And if we're not. How will tourism supplant that, or what is the what is the shape of a recovery business v tourism? That's a big question in in the industry, um, and a lot of uh, analysts, a lot of airline CEOs, and a lot of industry experts are basically saying that uh, business travel is going to be the last segment to recover. Not only because we have technologies like Zoom in place to sort of replace some of that air travel that was going on before the pandemic, but also because companies have slashed their budgets, uh, have slashed their travel costs, and have seen during the past year that they can make it work without um, jetting their employees uh, far and wide uh, on an airplane. Having said that, even though uh, leisure is going to recover, leisure travel is going to recover faster than business. A lot of people are saying, well, hang on, that's all well and good. But at the end of the day, um, for the important meetings, for the big deals, for for the introductory meetings between companies, you are going to want to have a face-to-face meetup. You are going to want to have that human connection where you um, <laughs> you know, look, look somebody in the eye and when, when you greet them and, and, and have that personal interaction. I was going to say and shake hands with them, but of course that's not happening either way. <laughs> that, speaking of recovering really last, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> In some cases where you still need to establish that connection between groups of people, you will see pockets of uh, business travel, but that will likely be the last to recover compared to leisure. Same, for example, uh, comparison can be made between short haul trips and long haul journeys. We're seeing you know, the industry really uh, saying that short haul travel is going to recover faster than long haul. Of course, that's because people are a little bit worried about taking trips across oceans when they don't know how quickly uh, the rules can change, how quickly the measures can change and how quickly borders can, can shut down. So that's another distinction uh, that we're seeing. 
a lot of reports coming out saying that countries, uh, obviously with faster vaccination drives, let's say, uh, like in the Gulf countries, these would obviously have a faster chance of, of recovering quicker. Vis-a-vis um, other uh, oil importing countries in the region where the recovery would be a little bit slower and they would need to uh, make bigger investments in their healthcare systems and in uh, digitalization of, uh, of travel procedures, really to attract um, the same number of uh, tourists that they, that they did before. Dina, recently you also uh, wrote about the latest outlook from Emirates, uh, who said that they would uh, cover 70% of capacity. Um, in your piece, although they didn't clarify um, you know, whether that's pre-pandemic capacity or otherwise, that sounds pretty good uh, in terms of, of what they're thinking in the, in the coming months. But is the anticipation that will be over the summer? I think that's what we're trying to understand. How quickly um, is this demand coming back? Is it June, July, August, or is it more likely October, November, December? That's a, a multi-million dollar question, right? So what uh, Emirates were, were saying that they are anticipating returning about 70% of their pre-crisis capacity uh, by the winter season. That's because they were bullish on, you know, a lot of air travel demand for people who are going to come in to visit Expo uh, that Dubai will host later this year in, in October, of course. So that's their longer term plan for the rest of the year. Having said that, while that capacity should return by, by October, we should see some better action happening over the summer. They, they have said that they are bullish uh, about forward bookings for July and August. They see those quite strong uh, thanks to um, demand from people who want to visit family, friends, relatives uh, around the summer season. And so it, it seems like there is a buildup. Um, uh, the Emirates uh, Airlines president, Tim Clark, has said that he is hopeful of a revival in, in demand uh, during the summer. And also the chief of Dubai tourism has said that he is optimistic about uh, Dubai being able to attract leisure and business travelers, uh, also because of Expo later this year. So far uh, during this year, we've seen Dubai attract 1.26 million visitors from abroad just in the first quarter of 2021. When he was uh, asked about that kind of his outlook for the rest of the year, he has said that it was a, things are a little bit up in the air now in terms of a forecast because uh, it just depends on which countries will be reopening their their borders. Um, Mustafa, as you rightly pointed out, major source markets such as uh, India uh, have have closed off uh, to international travel. Uh, the UK is yet to add uh, more countries other than the 12 it, uh, it has just announced to its list of, to its green list. It all boils down to how much uh, reopening we see over the course of the next few months. But in general, the UAE airlines are bullish about the summer. The chief uh, of Air Arabia, of course, based in, in Sharjah, with different hubs in, in Ras al-Khaimah and, and uh, elsewhere, uh, he has said that he expects a good summer ahead um, and and his optimism is is hanging on the on the rapid vaccine rate and and some countries uh, reopening their borders. So we have seen uh, different announcements from airlines saying that they will reopen some of the routes that were shut down because of the pandemic. They're reopening those in anticipation of of the summer. But this idea of looking to sustainable travel, Dina, as you mentioned earlier, I mean, I bought carbon offsets for the first time. 
uh, ahead of traveling. I usually opt out of those. But for some reason, the past year, it felt like a non-negotiable. Of course, we need to buy carbon offsets for the entirety of the trip. This idea of uh, emphasis on local and more inclusive travel, I made sure to hire a local guide. Um, and I was reading and thinking about these trends and then reflecting on my my purchasing behavior. And the other things around, um, you know, going somewhere that by reputation depends on tourism. Czech, Morocco, yes, that's kind of how we decided. Uh, and then this idea of financial protection and de-risking your travel. So opting into, you know, booking through third-party vendors that can offer 100% refunds that offer free cancellations up to the minute. So those four across the board, carbon offsets, localization, this idea of depending on um, reputational tourism hubs to return to first, and financial protection. Those four things, in my mind, future of travel, those are the four things to watch. And I personally felt Oh, I, yes, I did. I did all of those things. I'm already being the um, predictable consumer millennial that we all expect me to be. But uh, those are the things that I think will endure past these first few months and everything else. And I'm really skeptical, honestly, of the digitalization drive because I will be heading to the airport with a full folder of printed out documents as well. Well, I think it's good to be careful. But uh, I mean, I mean, you raise a very valid point, which is some things will have changed Immeasurably, we we're still working out what they are. What is a short term fad to do with you know a crisis and our reaction to it? What will be long term changes? Yeah. Yeah. So in in most of my lifetime, um, aviation has been going the way of fast food in the sense of it's becoming more and more open, more and more commoditized, cheaper and cheaper for a long time. So like you know you take flights like. You know, you order your cheeseburger or your your vegan burger, whatever it is. Um, but it strikes me now that's changing for a number of reasons. The coronavirus pandemic may have triggered it, but then other trends such as climate change awareness and sustainability considerations come into it. So it feels like, and, and Dina, I'll, I'll let you have the last word on this. It feels like we may not know exactly what this next period is going to look like but that it will look quite different from the last few years that we've had. You know, the pandemic is is going to radically change the travel landscape, whether uh, in terms of a shrinking market of uh, fewer airlines, whether in terms of changing consumer behaviors and preferences, like we've seen with, with Kelsey, you know, hats off to her for being a conscientious traveler. Um, My first carbon offset purchase, I don't know that they're, they're giving away any gold stars for that one, but <laughs> thank you. Still very proud. As long as there's a need to still maintain safe distances, to have contactless interactions, to process people faster through airports, those are things that are just going to make the travel experience um, hopefully easier. It will, of course, also reveal a digital divide between countries that are able to implement those technologies and those that are that are not. And already we're seeing a lot of airlines trying to lure more customers with things like, you know, uh, free COVID-19 insurance, for example. I believe Emirates is still offering towards uh, almost the end of the year. It remains to be seen which ones of these will stick. We've had the chief of IATA, for example, say, we understand now there's a need for PCR testing, but we're hoping that once the pandemic has cleared up, that we will not continue to do that regardless. 
uh, because more people will be vaccinated and things will change. And he was making references to how, you know, we still have um, traditions ongoing from, let's say, post 9-11 in, in travel, things like, uh, you know, the 100 milliliter bottles that we all carry around and things like that, that are not necessary now because things have, have changed. So it is a matter of adapting to uh, future requirements, keeping the things that still, still serve us and discarding the things that don't make sense once the pandemic has been in control. Dina Kamil, thanks so much for being with us. Thank you very much for having me. It's great. Uh, you can read Dina's coverage of the aviation sector and other business stories at thenationalnews.com. Kelsey Warner, thanks also to you. Good to be here. And thank you all for listening. All that remains to thank our production team, Arthur Edison and Aisha Khan. Please join us again next time. 